it's it's a representation of who I am and I couldn't be happier sitting out front and and watching the happiness of others and I get real kicks out of that and um, I enjoy being at work it's not just a business for me it's you know it's also my lifestyle so it's, it's easy you know people look at it you look like a workaholic or married to your work but um, for me it's I just love it I really do love it this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep Many episodes ago, Neil Perry spoke of the three factors in the success of a restaurant. Location, location, location. But finding one can be a challenge. But patience has its rewards. What impact does landing your dream location have on the business and the confidence of what you're offering? Chloe Watts is the owner of Tart Bakery and Cafe in Burley Heads, Queensland. Chloe, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. You um, spent a long time waiting for the location that you currently have. What, what sort of time frame are we talking about and what, what made that space so important to you? Uh, look, I've been looking at this site for, gosh, five to seven years, I'd say. Um, it was always such I don't want to be disrespectful to the pre- previous owner, but Wasted Potential being a beautiful leafy corner on um, on one of the best suburbs, in my opinion, of the Gold Coast. Um, and, you know, they had an Italian restaurant here for, oh gosh, I think it ended up being about 30 years. Um, and they only did the night trade, which was, which was beautiful in its own stead. But um, I think living on the Gold Coast, um, there's one thing that rings true, and that is what we are very much day people, and we love <laughs> love to be in bed early. <laughs> um, and you know, it's um, it's a very sunny corner with with enough tree coverage to to escape that if that's what you're after. So um, I saw lots of potential. Plus, a corner site is always a little bit special, in my opinion, no matter where you are. Tell us a bit about the building. What what's so important about its history and um, place in the community? Look, it's been here for so long. I mean, even just naming that Italian restaurant that was here for 30 years, everyone on the Gold Coast knew of Vecchia Roma. And, um, and it was, you know, always remained the same. I think the first 10, 15 years, they, um, they had, were a bit of an icon and then it started to just be, you know, the food scene started to definitely pick up on the Gold Coast. Um, but it was the red brick wallpaper and the bright red paint and, you know, the checker, checkered uh, tablecloths, but it had a lot of um, substance and a lot of older generations here um, adored it. Um, but Burley Heads is massive. You know, I, I grew up around the corner and even though I left for many years, it's, it's always a place that, you know, you feel at home and, um, and it's a much better representation of the Gold Coast than Surface Paradise or Broad Beach is. So, um, you know, it, it means a lot for me to be in this, this position and this site um, and feels very local to me. Well, take us back to when you first got it. What was it like when you finally got the location and 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 started stripping everything back to create your dream? Look, it was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I think you could argue Gordon Ramsay would have had a field day in, uh, in the kitchen. <laughs> um, but it was actually a lot of fun, and I, I wouldn't change it for anything because I'm I'm someone who really appreciates a a spotless environment and um, I think a clean kitchen says a lot about the success of the kitchen and um, it was kind of great to 
be able to showcase the difference between what it was and what it is now. Um, the format was great. You know, the um, the layout was the bones were there. Um, my fiance and I spent many, many, many a days and nights um, ripping out the carpet and bringing down walls and um, and having a lot of fun with the sledgehammer. <laughs> I'm seven months pregnant now, so that <laughs> I'm glad it happened when it did. <laughs> um, but it was. Um, Look, it was an interesting site to deal with, but it was from a very early on, I knew exactly the vision that I wanted in there and um, and stripping it down was just all part of the excitement. Well, I'd love to um, take a deep dive into your vision and what you're doing there shortly, but take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play for you and your family? Look, it's it's funny because we don't um, come from a heavy background of, of food. You know, mum and dad didn't have the deli on the corner that I worked at as a child or anything like that. But mum's um, always had a, a really intense passion for food and ironically, particularly Asian food. And so instead of growing up on bangers and mash we grew up on sang choy bao and, wow. and you know yeah and dumplings made from scratch and stuff like that so um i think particularly for my eldest brother and i that really um ingrained in us this this um desire and love for food that that never went away and um you know i i grew up i've always my friends have always laughed at me because when i go to a restaurant i never order one main or one entree i i, I over order wherever i go because i want to taste everything and um it's a you know it's a funny topic my fiance loves to bring up now because it costs us a lot more to go to dinner because i'm so intrigued by flavors and um you know i've um fortunately when i moved to sydney i um I met a good friend, Aaron Teese, who um, has had a lot to do with the, the catering scene in Sydney and, um, and you know, I got to do lots of things with him and cook with him and um, one thing he said to me early on before I was confident about this career path was that he's never seen someone outside of food understand flavours so um, well and, I mean, I just held on to that statement and that was, what, 13 years ago he said that and... Um, and it's really kind of carried with me that, you know, I have confidence in, in my ability to understand food and flavours. So, um, yeah, so it's funny. We didn't, you know, it didn't have the butcher or anything like that in those stories. But um, but food has always definitely been a big part of um, my family's life and mum's passion and, um, you know, bringing us all together, which, which I'm sure is a, a common theme for a lot of your guests. When did you first realize that, you know, a career in food was for you? What was the light bulb moment? And can you take us back to when you first worked in a commercial kitchen and what it was like? Yeah, I mean, look, I, it's funny because I actually studied media communications journalism when I moved to Sydney and um, it was just nothing. It was ticking no boxes, stimulating no part of me and I knew something was askew and I always had those dreams to to get into the food industry um, and, you know, mum and dad are from a, a manufacturing background. So they had an Ugg boot manufacturing business and, um, you know, they, they sought my help in Sydney to open up a store. So I kind of went down that path. Um, meanwhile, you know, jumping on with Aaron and, and Studio Neon at the time and, and getting involved there and doing really fun dinners. Um, and it wasn't really until mum and dad sold the business and I continued on with a new owner that I knew I was not following my heart. And so I packed up everything and um, moved over to London and did six months of, of food wrecks and travel to um, 
to literally just get more ideas and more understanding and um and that's when it was really funny that I was ordering lots of dishes because I think I was solo that whole time and I remember sitting you know at the front of um you know the waterways in Positano or something like that and it looked like I was on my last legs because I'd have three mains on my own <laughs> <laughs> oh this girl just wants to enjoy the last minutes of life <laughs> um so yeah it was really fun and um and I actually learned so much in that time. And then when I moved to London properly, um, I was so lucky to meet um, a, a guy named Blow D80 who um, did some incredible private functions for some very um, well-known and um, established people. Um, and he took me under his wing and taught me so much. So ironically, I wasn't actually ever in the commercial kitchen side of things. It was more that style um, that I was learning. And, and one of the best experiences of that was that we cooked for two weeks for John Taylor, who's um, one of the main guys in Duran Duran, and um, his wife, Gila, who's um, started Juicy Couture. And um, they had this ridiculous 50-room manor in the country countryside of England. And it was just so surreal when we pulled up. You know, there's eight peacocks running around, two of which were albino. Um, you know, I walked in and there's King George III's chair sitting in this giant hall and um, she pointed out the curtains in one of the spare bathrooms that no one ever walks in and it was, um, you know, Queen Elizabeth the first friggin' scarf turned into curtains and it's like just like the most ludicrous like you can imagine an over-the-top setting and um I remember that first night Blow looked at me and he said these are Napoleon's dining plates be really careful <laughs> and I said sorry Napoleon's dining plates and he said uh-huh all the museums wanted it but she kept her hand up in the auction and and um and won them. So there they are just, you know, eating their perfectly cooked steak off Napoleon's dining plates. Um, so it was stuff like that that was just like so incredible. So we stayed there breakfast, lunch and dinner for two weeks, cooked them, you know, Christmas for Christmas and um, huge feast. And um, it was just incredible. It was a really surreal experience and it only solidified my um, admiration for the industry and, and passion for it for sure. That's a crazy environment in which to cook in for a fortnight. What, what sort of food were you cooking? Um, it certainly wasn't a tart style um, for, for a setting like that. I mean, obviously, we did do the breakfast, but English are a little different with their breakfast desires. Um, the, you know, we were doing beautiful um, crab with num jim and, um, you know, handmade breads and I mean which obviously ties into tart but um all sorts of different things and um everything was fresh and um you know it was really blows direction on where he wanted to go but it was just um a wonderful experience and um they are honestly two of the kindest most down-to-earth people living in this ridiculous <laughs> environment this ridiculous world and um it was a really cool experience you spent a lot of time in London. What were some of the real key moments that gave you the confidence to come home and do what you do now? Um, I, I wanted to explore a few facets of hospitality. So I worked for um, a, a really great lady called Sally Clark who had um, – who had a Michelin restaurant over there as well as um, she was one of the first to really jump on that high-level production of bakery. Um, and she was serving, you know, she she had her own deli bakery across the road from the restaurant 
And then she also had a production kitchen where she did a lot of stuff for, you know, Eurostar and um, British Airways and stuff and, and commercialised that side of thing a little bit, you know, quite a bit. But at the same time, she really, re- like, kept her integrity in her own bakery and deli um, of being more homemade and, and a little less mass-produced. So it was really cool to see the two different sides to that. Um and she also, so I worked in all facets. I was really honest with her and said, you know, this is, this is my career path. I want to go home and open something of my own. And um, I'd, I'd love if you could help me. And I was really lucky to have that introduction from a friend. Um, and she was great. I mean, she is a hard ass, but she is <laughs> excellent. Um, she is exactly what you would assume an involved owner of a Michelin restaurant and a huge empire like that to be. And um, so I worked for seven pounds an hour, um, running extremely hot dishes up a um, up a huge flight of stairs, where the chef would not let you, the head chef would not let you use anything to um, keep the burn away from your hands. So you just had to suck it up. Um, I remember having to stop halfway up the stairs one day, and he said, "Don't you dare put that plate down." And I said, "Yes, chef," <laughs> and kept walking while my my fingers were searing. Um, and then in the, the next breath, uh, you know, next day we would, um, I'd be in the bakery, um, or the production kitchen or the deli and just really like, she had some incredible ideas and, um, and really honed in on, on that environment. And, um, yeah, she killed it. She, she, she's, you know, a, a massive inspiration in terms of the growth you can have in your business and where you can take it. Um, it's not as simplified as just, you know, having a cafe or bakery. It can, you can take it so much further. After going to Sydney and, and London, what, what brought you back to where you grew up? Um, it's a, it's a funny one, that one. I mean, I, I actually had, um, quite a bad accident about six years ago in Peru. Um, and I was quite badly injured and, um, it took me three and a half days to get to a hospital. And so with that came, unfortunately, a lot of baggage in, in terms of pain and, um, and you know, sort of PTSD from the stuff that occurred to get off the mountain. Um, there was unfortunately no help there and um, I had to walk on my own two feet with, with significant injuries. So um, that kind of, you know, I did my two years over – over in London and um, it was just becoming a, a little bit difficult to be that far from from your support group and, and I'm just trying to be as candid as possible but it definitely impacted my experience to stay um, longer and I also knew that, you know, it was time and I was definitely ready. I was in the right headspace um, to come back and start putting those feelers out for, for the right location and um, everything kind of fell into place. I had every intention of going back to Sydney and I was, you know, looking for the right sites and um, something a bit more special. Uh, and then I happened to meet my fiance, and um, and it it felt right. And I decided I just kind of went with my heart, and 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 that was to be on the Gold Coast and and see things play out. And I hadn't been there for eight years, and um, and it was a different world. I mean, you could actually find restaurants with great food and great wine, and <laughs> and like you know, cafes that you actually wanted to sit at for longer than twenty minutes, and. Um, it was a really cool feeling because when I had left, none of that existed, and um, well, certainly to not not to the extent it is now. And that was a huge part of my life in Sydney and in London. So um, it was quite a cool experience to come back and be like, actually, this is this is a nice place to live. This has got a lot to offer. And then to meet Chris, it was um, it all came together really beautifully. 
you mentioned that you were eyeing off the location for Tart for six or seven years. What were you doing on the Gold Coast prior to that in the lead up to getting the site? So it was it was a funny excuse me, a funny one actually. I mean I got um a job as soon as I got back to just, you know, um, I don't want to say full-time because it was a great job and a great business, but um, just while I kind of worked out exactly the business plan and model moving forward and um, and then was approached to um, purchase Paddock Bakery, um, which is obviously another great cafe on the Gold Coast. And it just kind of came at the most perfect time and um, it was a project I'd worked with mum and dad for many years already in their manufacturing business and it was a a project that they could you know get involved in have a feel of the hospitality industry um, and enjoy as well so I actually did that with them for a little while um, Mm -hmm. with the intent to expand and sell um, knowing that it was never my cafe from the get-go um that the that you know the foundations weren't laid by me I knew that it was going to be a relatively short-term thing so the intent for for all of us was to to expand and we did that um in two and a half years and and added you know uh, lots of facets to the business and um doubled the the seating capacity and um production and stuff like that so got to where we wanted and I'm so grateful for that experience because it really um set me up for Tart to be what it is today and um gave me so many lessons and and it was great working alongside my parents you know incredible business people so while I have you know uh the acclimate for food and everything learning from them on the business side of thing was just um invaluable and has really shaped the way i run tart and um and yeah i'm super grateful for that experience and obviously paddock's an incredible cafe and it was a great creative outlet for me to do a lot of fun pastries and cakes and get a lot of media attention and um, videos done and and obviously i've got a background of marketing so that side of thing is is really fun for me to to explore um, and then was really happy to sell when we got approached. We didn't have it on the market and um, and it was really good timing and um, it was just before COVID actually, um, which I'm very lucky and grateful for. Um, and and gave me a bit of time off because I was I was working like a dog and um, pushing myself as far as I possibly could and. Um, it was really good timing to to take that break, take a breath and um, reset and just wait for this site to, to become available really. And um, the previous owner was a really lovely, lovely guy and it worked out really well that he was ready to, you know, get out of the industry and, and didn't have the passion for it that he, he needed. And um, it I'm really grateful because I know it sounds silly, but it, everything was just very meant to be. And, um, and yeah, it's really all fallen into place how I believe it. It's meant to. Well, tell us about the inspiration behind Tart and the creative process when you were building the idea of what it would be. Where, where did you source inspiration from? Um, look, there's so many places that um, or all overseas that, you know, I've seen and, and taken great inspiration from and that's everywhere from, you know, New York to London to Paris um, and other parts of the States um, that, you know, their level of design and the way they do things, you know, prime example, the way, you know, the Parisians love to sit outside and just, you know, face the world rather than face each other. And, and that I've, I've kind of adopted that concept with our seating out front. Um, you know, the, our, our lights are from mid-century Amsterdam that we've gotten there and, um, and, you know, our, our, um, 
countertop is a hundred year old from a, a movie theater in New South Wales. So I, 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 you see a lot of that in, in Europe particularly, and, and some aspects in the States where it's that blending of really, you know, modernized concepts with a lot of history and, um, you know, you'll you'll look around Tarte, and there's you know a 150 year old coffee grinder on display, but it's kind of kind of behind the bread, but it's there. You know what I mean? And um, it's stuff like that that I just wanted to make sure that I paid homage to. And you know, um, the the frontage was definitely inspired by that West Village. Um, Greenwich, Soho element of New York. I've spent a lot of time in New York and um, and it has a huge part of my heart. So I really was adamant that I wanted to um, include that in the design. And for me, my favourite favorite parts of New York are that downtown Soho, West Village style. And um, so I was adamant I wanted to get all of that custom designed to be as fitting and, and and as in my vision as possible um, to honour that um, time I've spent there. And, and that was a massive part of my inspiration for, for doing the Cafe Bakery. Although New York, you know, um, if it wasn't for Australians, that scene is not strong on the breakfast front, but everything else is incredible. Um, and just their, their level of design and, and their thought process is great. So, um, I mean, my fiance and I quickly dashed there in December, thankfully looking back now, not knowing that COVID was going to shut us out for a long time. Um, but I remember we were on the ground for, I think five days and, um, it was just game on. I mean, I had like my, my poor partner <laughs> dragging him around for eight hours a day, nine hours a day. Um, and we would, you know, look at all of the, obviously the design wise, the frontage and everything, but food wise, I'd have like anywhere from six to eight different establishments lined up. And um, he's not someone who can just take a bite and put away. <laughs> so he was rolling around by the end of the day with a stomach ache. So, um, it was it was a really cool experience though to share that with him and where my inspiration um, has come from for for a lot of a lot of the look of Tarte and then you know I Paris is is such an incredible place in the world so that played a huge part as well you know the tiles are very um, reminiscent of Paris and the front style of seating um, and the display of pastries you know they just they want it out there in full force so you can. Um, capture exactly what they're making and I wanted to make sure that that was a huge element and it takes up I think it's a it's a 2.2.1 2.2 meter display cabinet with just a piece of glass and um and the pastries doing their thing behind it and, and um showcasing themselves rather than all lined up in a row um so yeah it's definitely the design has come from my travels without a doubt and um there's some really great places out there that have have given me a lot to kind of start on and then develop. You mentioned um, how much the area had changed in regards to food um, since you'd been away and returned, but were you nervous about delivering something so new and at the standard that you have um, before opening? Um, no, I think thanks to Paddock, I, I had um, I was very lucky to – to have that behind me because obviously it's a very recognizable um, destination on the Gold Coast. And I think a lot of people were quite excited to see what, what I would do next, um, which is a very, um, you know, lucky position to be in. And I, if I have, if one thing I'm very confident about, it's, it's the food that, that 
we deliver and I deliver and I'd worked, you know, six to nine months on our menu and our pastries and I have an excellent um, head pastry chef that could bring a lot, a lot of it to life and I've known him, you know, for a few years and have a lot of trust in him as well. So, um, and then food menu, Aaron jumped on board at the start with me and um, and really helped to curate the menu and, and basically it's a really nice feeling when you're not – a trained chef to have someone that can pull what's in your head and put it on a plate. And so I was really lucky to, to get that. And, um, and so I was confident from the get go that it was going to work. And I mean, Gold Coast has got a, an excellent, um, breakfast brunch scene, um, mm. and, you know, really good bakeries as well. So it's, it forever keeps you on your toes and, um, and I would much rather throw out a tray of crullers than serve something that I'm not 100% confident in. And I think that makes a lot of the difference between, you know, places like Tart and the smaller guys um, because I think it makes all the difference just having that confidence in your quality um, and, and running with it. Tell us a little bit about your food. Um, what's what's a dish or two that you can tell us about that really exemplifies sort of where your cooking is at and the offering there? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think f- first off, I'll say that fundamentally, we, I wanted to do a menu that, I mean, we are on the Gold Coast still, and I wanted to do a menu that's rec- dishes that are recognizable to to our customer base, but that have a little more thought put into them and, and are taken just a little bit further without being scary, if you like. Um, you know, Sydney and Melbourne, you have that opportunity to push the barriers a lot more, um, whereas Gold Coast, I think you still need to have that offering of, of scrambled eggs and simplified dishes. But, you know, instead of just doing scrambled eggs, I wanted to make sure that that they were scrambled eggs that you would die over and come back again and again and again and know that you couldn't make it home. And so, you know, we incorporated miso into them, creme fraiche, cream. We got the togarashi, parmesan, chives on top. And, you know, fortunately, <laughs> you know, a lot of people do come back and back and back for them. Um, and it's probably been the hardest dish I've had to avoid Um because I refuse to have them well done um, <laughs> during pregnancy. But, you know, it's stuff like that on the simple side of, of the menu that um, I just wanted to make sure um, we we tick a brief more than just scrambled eggs. And, you know, our bagels, um, obviously, again, coming back to that New York inspiration, uh, New York-style bagel is really important to me to have perfect. And we, we have a section on a menu that specialises in those bagels. Um, and they're made every single day um they've got the everything seasoning which some people know about some people don't but obviously is a huge um new york style of bagel with the everything seasoning and you know they're they're beautiful and customers don't understand why they can't just put a knife a butter knife through it and it's and it's then that explanation that you know it's uh it's boiled and baked and it's it's a longer process and um they're designed to be that way that you rip into them with your teeth and that's the the true enjoyment of a good bagel in my opinion um and then we've got, you know, pastry side of things. The cruller absolutely was inspired by a place in New York that um, we was on our list on one of those days and um, we hadn't seen in Australia yet and we hadn't really, you know, um, Loon hadn't launched their side business of that and it was it was really cool to kind of get ahead of it and, um, and get it on a menu and make it a specialty and it's been – it's been incredibly received actually it's the the new donut if you like and um and it's something that we worked really hard on to get the perfect recipe for and um and so we you know I wanted to go old school French again but 
recognizable. So, you know, stuff like your canales and um, crawlers haven't been seen for a while, but they're so freaking delicious. And, um, and they were lost a little bit. And, um, you know, I, we wanted to kind of bring that back and, and really hone in on a familiar side of those items, but still pushing the barriers just a little bit. Now that you've created um, your dream uh, venue, what is it that you love about what you do? Um, it's it's funny you ask that because I, I'm still doing six days a week here, um, seven months pregnant, <laughs> and um, people keep telling me I'm frigging nuts and to go home. <laughs> uh, but I just like I, I adore every single element of it. I'm very lucky to have a really beautiful team. You know, we've got over 40 employees and um, – and they're just wonderful people. And, you know, so that in it, in the first place is just so nice coming to an environment that that you actually really like everyone and it's a really happy space. And um, second to that, I mean, when you create something from, I mean, for example, my, my partner and I were on our knees digging out the, the white tiles to put black tiles in for three days straight. And um, <laughs> when you, when you literally have blood, sweat and tears into the, into the foundations of the place, there's a, there's a very intimate love you feel with it. And, you know, I, I often sit back and say, gosh, you know, it's, it's so me, it's, it's, I'm so happy with it. And, um, and we eat here. If I'm at home on that seventh day, I still get Chris to bring me home tart. So that says a lot, I think about our enjoyment of our food. Um, so yeah, I mean, honestly, the easiest answer for that is everything. Like I just, it's, it's a representation of who I am and I couldn't be happier sitting out front and, and watching the happiness of others. And I get real kicks out of that. And, um, I enjoy being at work. It's not just a business for me. It's, you know, it's also my lifestyle. So, um, it's, it's easy, you know, people look at it, you look like a workaholic or married to your work, but, um, for me, it's, I just love it. I really do love it. Apart from a new baby, what do you think the future holds in a food sense for you? Um, look, I think definitely Tart has further to go and further places to reach. And um, I think it won't just be Gold Coast Limited, hopefully. And um, I think once I manage being a mum and still swinging in, <laughs> um, it's it's definitely on the cards that um, hopefully, you know, one day you'll see our faces down there and um, and that we've got more to offer for sure. Well, I'm sure that will make a lot of people very happy. <laughs> Chloe, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Will do. Thank you so much. Lovely to chat to you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.